Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg in Washington this week arguing for Libra, the digital currency his company created and wants to build around. This after he last week made the case in front of an audience at Georgetown University that Facebook's future, its past, its reason for being are all tied up in free speech. Welcome to Fort Knox, rich ideas and powerful people. I am John Fort from CNBC here at the NASDAQ market site overlooking Times Square. With me this week for another bite out of this Facebook and free speech debate, John Stanton, the co-founder of the Save Journalism Project, formerly of BuzzFeed, and Farhad Manju, columnist for the New York Times. I'm in the odd position today. I mean, both you guys are tough on Zuckerberg and Facebook. <laughs> so I'm gonna have to argue Maybe to an extent right. beyond what I naturally would be inclined to. I'm going to have to argue for Mark Zuckerberg or, or at least uh, put forth arguments from that perspective. John, why in your mind is Mark Zuckerberg not right about the free speech declarations, assertions he was making at Georgetown a few days ago? <laughs> um, well, I mean, I, you know, the basic history is just, it's a lie. I, you know, he, the, the Facebook started as a way for, for him and his friends to rate the relative hotness of the women on the campus at Harvard. And we, they, they, there's documentation of that. They, it's what they said it was at the time. So the idea that it's, there was this, this way for people to, to protest against the Iraq war is, is um, just revisionist history. It's, agree. It's the totally agree. But what House, he right, said right. wasn't exactly, I created it as this Iraq war protest tool. He did sort of say, well, this was going on at the time, and over time, <laughs> I saw that maybe networks, products like this could be used to give people a voice. He made it sound sort of like an origin story, but he didn't come right out and say, this is why I started Facebook. No, but I mean, also, I mean, the reality is, is look, you know, the, the idea that Mark Zuckerberg is in this for anything other than to make money um, is belied by, by many of the actions that they've taken over the years. I mean, just the simple fact that, that Facebook knew what was going on in Myanmar with the Rohingya and knew that that genocide was occurring and that their platform was being used to orchestrate the murder of thousands of people and did nothing about it, you know, because they were making money. They, that, is a, that is a clear example of, of the, you know, what they're in this for. And the idea that Mark Zuckerberg is somehow, you know, has some moral, you know, thing stake here is, is just kind of crazy. Uh, Farhad, you, you agree? You think Facebook's really focused on the money here? You don't think Zuckerberg at least thinks he has a moral compass guiding some of his decision making? Well, I'll, I'll say this. I mean, I think it's good that he is sort of making the case in public for what he wants to do versus, you know, someone like Larry Page who runs Google who has just kind of disappeared from public view. I think it's good. It's better that he's out there and, and making the case. I just find his case very muddled. I'm not really, I wasn't really sure what he was saying in the speech last week because he, 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 on the one hand, there was sort of this headline declaration that he was for free expression. On the other hand, it was like full of these different caveats for where they will police speech. Um, and like those seem to run away, you know, run against his kind of headline declaration that they're all uh, for for free expression. So, well, well here's what I think. I, what I, I think he was saying, and correct me, Farhad, if if you think that I'm making a different case that that he made, is that overall he's in favor of free expression, free speech by default in cases where it uh, that speech threatens to hurt a group uh, in, in real life or you know, it bleeds over into areas like child pornography, things that they're, they're absolutely for stopping that. But in general, they tend to be in favor of free expression. And then when it comes to political ads, he was saying, uh, we're gonna let 
politicians, political figures put messages out there without us, a corporation, filtering whether they're true or not, which, by the way, five years ago in Ohio, uh, a judge ruled needs to be, in essence, the law of the land. You can't make laws requiring the, the filtering of political speech because you don't want to put government in that position. And so one could argue, if government's not going to be in that position, why should we make Facebook filter political speech? I mean, but Facebook filters speech all the time. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't allow nudity on its platform. It doesn't allow, it like, on Instagram, it allows uh, male nipples, but not female nipples. Like, it has various kinds of rules based on, like, their business interests, which are, uh, like, perfectly in line with uh, the First Amendment, with other things that they, you know, other sort of philosophies that they have. Um, and they've just made a decision that they're not going to kind of stringently pol uh, police political ads here. But, you know, they, they have, uh, over the last few years, like, done more on fact-checking and misinformation and done, you know, aligned with fact-check groups. So it's not even, like, the case that they're, uh, you know, all for free expression, whatever anyone says. They, like, have loads and loads of various ways to police, police what you say to limit the distribution of it. Like, so they have all these moderators who flag content um, or, you know, users flag content, the moderators review it. They can, like, limit how, how it spreads on the platform. I feel like the, the thing he was sketching out was a very kind of simplistic view of what happens on Facebook. And in fact, like the whole thing is just, uh, you know, there's a lot of nuance to what they do. And the nuance is sometimes based on like uh, political philosophies that Mark Zuckerberg has. But I, I would imagine a lot, of t a lot of times it's based on like business interests of Facebook and like what, whether this works for their brand, their uh, platform, and whether it doesn't. I mean, that's how, that's like how Instagram works, for example. Like right. it's a, it's a brand that favors certain kinds of, uh, you know, images and speech and, like, other things you can't do on it. And that's, like, everyone's fine with that. Um, I, I just the, feel the like algorithm, it's just, yeah. The algorithm is a big part of what he didn't address, what you're allowed to say yeah. versus what they're actually going to let more than a couple people hear, two totally different right. things. So, John, what's the answer here? I mean, we ban Facebook. We uh, force them to make the algorithm transparent so people can alter what they see in their feed? What, what's the change? I mean, look, I don't, I don't think banning Facebook is necessary. I think Facebook has done a lot, been a, a helpful tool to people in their lives. I don't think um, it's, it's crazy to think that we can have sort of the two things at once in our brains, right? That there are some good things to it and there are also some very problematic things. I think, uh, you know, one thing is if, if Facebook is not going to take a real sincere approach to dealing with these issues, which it seems from what he's been saying that it doesn't seem like they really want to, then pressure needs to be put on them by the government, by the public to step up and deal with these things. I also think that the government needs to seriously do look sort of looking at antitrust issues with with the, the company that they become so large that they've essentially taken control of the of the public square in a lot of ways which is really unheard of um, in our in our history you know no, never before has a one or two companies been able to to dominate the public debate the way that they and Google can and I think it's very very dangerous and it's something that we have not as a as a country really started to reckon with yet yeah, fair. Uh, Facebook and, and YouTube in particular, I would say, are, are two big ones uh, in, in influencing the public debate. So let's talk Libra and Calibra, because that's 
a lot of what Zuckerberg was on the Hill talking about this week. Farhad, uh, these are two different things. Libra is this currency idea that Facebook came out with. They put out a white paper. They've uh, created this Libra association uh, offshore uh, to regulate this currency and people are going to be able to build around it. There's a board of 5 to 19 people in the, the Libra Association starting off with 21 different members but trying to grow from here, each with one vote. Facebook says we will not control Libra, the currency, the dollar, the U.S. dollar will be a big component of it but there will be a basket of currencies involved. Calibra is Facebook's wallet that it plans uh, to, to wrap around Libra, to contain Libra. So Calibra's the wallet, Libra's the currency, Calibra belongs to Facebook, Libra doesn't. Farhad, what's the danger here with Libra? Why not just regulate it? Why not just say, hey, we don't like this or that detail about how the Libra Association wants to do this. If you move forward, it has to be pegged to specific currencies, and then let the digital funds flow. Yeah, I mean, we've run into this problem several times with Facebook and with Google, with tech platforms in general, which is that before they launch the thing, um, nobody quite knows, like, what its role is going to be in society. And obviously, it could be a failure. Like, you know, Google and Facebook have released tons of products that just went nowhere. So, so you could say that we could do that again, right? Like, we don't really know what's going to happen. Why not just uh, let it run and see what happens? But I think that um, it's, you know, particularly for something as important as, like, money, as, like, something that, you know, the government usually has a role in regulating, um, it's pretty important to ask tough questions of the company that wants to create a new way um, of, uh, you know, of trade, of commerce. And, sure. um, and even, even, if it, even if it sort of goes nowhere or has few, uh, you know, negative side effects in the future, like asking the questions now and kind of gaming that out now is something that, you know, Facebook didn't do when it decided to change all of its news over to an algorithm or, uh, you know, before But could you argue Facebook they're doing Live. that now? I mean, they created this association. They're not trying to own it entirely. They invited other companies I, in. Zuckerberg's on the hill now talking about it. There's this period of vetting, arguably. I mean, I might argue, having listened to a whole lot of the congressional questioning this morning, that they hadn't really gotten down to asking the critical questions <laughs> about yeah. Libra that would help to either move this forward, or even if this doesn't move forward, for the lawmakers to know what the rules of the road should be the next time some company or organization comes forth and says, hey, look, digital money, how about it? Yeah, I mean, maybe they're doing that. I mean, they're definitely being more collaborative than they have been with other uh, products they've launched in, in the past. I think they see that they need to be more collaborative. But it's hard still to figure out, like, how much of a Facebook product this is going to be. I mean, they're going to own the um, sort of the way to access the, this uh, kind of uh, standard product, right? Like, the, the technology is a, kind of an open thing, but um, the way you access it uh, through Facebook is going to be, um, like, Facebook's thing, and I, that you know that that's like how Google owns Chrome, but not the web. Like it's a distinction, but like it, in Without many ways, it may fall apart. As 
it, it, yeah, it may not fall apart. It may not, you know, function as a real uh, distinction and may still have, like, super, a lot of power for Facebook in running that system, just the way that, like, Apple has a lot of power in running the App Store or Google does. Yeah, John, it, like, it, it, strikes of, me, it strikes me, John, as the old sort of Google Android strategy of, like, oh, Android, yeah. it's, it's, it's free, it's only, take it. But if you're going to actually use it, you're going to want some apps. And by the way, we make those. And there are some rules about how you can use those apps. I mean, is that your take, too, on what this is? And if so, what are the dangers around it? Should this ever come to be I, I mean, just with some rules? Or does it need to be, again, banned? I mean, look, I, I, I would take it back even further beyond the, the, the Android. I would say that this smacks very much of Standard Oil or U.S. Steel using forcing their workers to use company script back in the you know late 1800s and early 1900s, and essentially making Whoa. people buy their goods from the company store and taking control. This is writ large upon our entire society. But isn't and, this way different know, well, than that? They're, you know, they're not made, saying we're going to own Libra. They they opened it up, and yeah. by the way, you can still transact. But they're going to own right. They're going to own how you get access to it. I don't know that I trust Mark Zuckerberg completely in, in this notion that this offshore you know, board is going to somehow be completely independent from, from <laughs> Facebook, considering how hard they have fought being broken up and having parts of their company spun out because they've become so large. And I, just, I think it's an extraordinarily dangerous thing to do. You know, at one point, those, co those companies wanted to do it back then, and we said no. And I think that as a society, we really need to be careful about putting you know, our trust in someone just because he's not wearing a monocle um, <laughs> And he's you know, wearing a really nice cardigan doesn't make him any less dangerous. Yeah, guys, you know, I, I would argue that we're getting into that territory with Facebook now, where I feel like we are with China and Huawei, which is that it's like uh, Huawei is a big company. It's a Chinese company. We can't trust China. Therefore, we can't trust Huawei equipment anywhere in our system. And yeah, you can say that, but it seems to me like it would be safer to say, okay, here are what the rules are gonna be if you wanna have equipment in US networks. Here's how we can test to make sure it's safe. Here's how we're gonna audit over time to make sure it continues to be safe so we're not just looking at China as the danger, we're able to actually be safe. I feel like with Facebook, everything Facebook says now, it's like, oh, we don't trust Facebook, but what are the rules? Don't there have to be rules? Isn't this yeah, a rule of law country? Yeah. The, the whole, I mean, the whole I just think, conversation but it's comes down to comparing how... To China. Sorry, I just threw that out there. I'll, I'll let Farhad uh, go first on this, and then you, John. Farhad? I mean, the whole, the whole conversation comes down to this question of, like, how much power does this company have and does this one man have? And I, I, I just feel like they already have too much power. Like, if they, they already have too much power over the digital ads business, over sort of this fundamental way we communicate. The fact that, like, what they, their kind of policy decisions for uh, what they allow on this network become, like, a huge democratic question about, like, how democracies function just indicates mm. how much power they have. Yeah. And then to sort of give them more power over, like, the money supply just seems, it just seems insane to me. Like, you know, <laughs> I would just, like, slow down. Like, slow your roll, Mark Zuckerberg. Like, that's just too much. Uh, it's for one too man much to power. How much power should one yeah. man have? It too far hard. Um, I, I, I take your point. A uh, little Shakespeare reference there, Julius Caesar. Yeah. John? <laughs> I'm, no, I mean, I, I agree. I think that, that, that Mark Zuckerberg has way too much power as it is. I think that um, even in writing rules, they were to write rules, the amount of money that Facebook is spending on lobbyists and influence is extraordinary, and that scares me that even if there is an effort to write rules, that they are going to be so deeply embedded in that process that they're never going to be actually fair rules. And I think that at some point, you know, I don't know, I think at some point Mark Zuckerberg should say to himself, all right, I've got enough, I control all this stuff, I've got all this money, 
why do I possibly need more? And uh, you know that you know the the the, dream, the, the drive to, to continue to consolidate power and money yeah. uh, is a scary scary thing. And I, I just, hear you. you know, Good yeah. arguments. I'll close it out by saying the arguments you guys are making about how much money should or how much power should one guy have, a lot of other countries make about America, which I think is interesting. True. Interesting. All right. Yeah. Time to get those digits. Some numbers that relate to Facebook's specific issues across security, antitrust, and crypto. Let's talk about them. But first, let's get them. First up. 35,000. 35,000. That's how many people Facebook has working on security measures ahead of the upcoming 2020 election. Farhad, uh, Facebook also put out a few days ago a sort of report on some networks, some 50 networks of false accounts that they had broken up. And they were, look what we did. Look what we, what we found. Here's the information they were putting out trying to inflame political situations. 35,000 sounds like a lot. Should we take from this that Facebook is making progress and cleaning up its act, or is it window dressing? I don't think it's window dressing. I think they are, I mean, I, from what I've seen, they are doing something sort of substantive on foreign disinformation and sort of like the ability of Russia or Iran or someone else to kind of affect political discourse in the United States. I feel like that pro problem was... Uh, possibly overblown the whole time, and they've uh, first you know, underblown, then overblown. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think it's true that like Russia used Facebook to elect Donald Trump. I just think that that argument is like overblown, and like they've made some progress on it. I think the bigger problem is like domestic misinformation, like rumors started in by people in this country mm. um, for political reasons, just because they're ignorant, like the anti-vax thing. Like that stuff just has a long, long life on Facebook, and I'm not sure if they have any good ways to police that kind of thing. Just kind of more general rumor um, disassociated from like a specific political target. John, for 35,000, you impressed? I mean, yeah, I think it's a great number of people to be doing it. I do think, I, I agree with Farhad that, that, that the domestic side of it has been really underappreciated by them. I mean, if you look at like these like um, closed groups, for instance, like the one that um, all the Border Patrol agents were in that, that got exposed earlier this year, those are breeding grounds for a lot of this disinformation. And, and while you have to be part of that group to see that, that gets into someone's feed, they then start sharing it to other people, either through just their commenting or in conversation with people. And I, Facebook traditionally doesn't really know what's going on in a lot of these closed groups. And Isn't you know, that I haven't seen a lot though? of evidence that they're taking that kind of stuff seriously. I mean, before Facebook, I mean, the you short is the, the internet. Yeah. But they've created these tools. They've created ways for people to basically exclude public scrutiny of what they're doing to create incubators for, mm. you know, lies and misinformation or racist propaganda. And then that eventually trickles back out into the larger community. And again, if Facebook is, has any kind of real commitment to doing this right, then they should be trying to figure that out. And, you know, they are taking steps, but I, I don't think that there could ever be too many steps. Right? Agreed. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a big fan of racist propaganda myself. In case that wasn't clear. <laughs> All right. Uh, digit number two. 47. 47. That is the total number of attorneys general who are part of the antitrust probe into Facebook. That includes states and territories. Colorado dropped out. Mississippi dropped out. California's not in. Maybe a couple of others. Uh, guys, this antitrust probe seems to be just an, an open, wide open investigation into all kinds of things that Facebook might be doing wrong. Farhad, 
how big a problem do you think this is for Facebook? Or is it just sort of a fishing expedition where, in the case of a state, if they get some concessions or some jobs or something for Facebook, hey, maybe they'll drop out? Uh, I mean, I think it's a big problem for Facebook. The, the problem they face is like the kind of political climate around antitrust on the left and the right has changed. Like people, you know, tr Trump and people in the Justice Department now seem more willing to prosecute um, various kinds of antitrust. Um, uh, certainly Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders want to. So I think it's part of a wave that, you know, Google and Facebook should be worried about this. I don't know about the specific 47 attorney, like the state attorney general's case versus like the federal case, but like out of all of these, something is going to happen. And, you know, the, Facebook is just a good um, a, a good sort of target for this. They bought up all of their competitors or either, or copied them in like very, you know, just blatantly um, in a way that kind of under, you know, undercut competitors um, and g gave them the whole the whole market for social networking. Like that kind of history, I feel like if if there are strong um, antitrust cops on the beat, like, like you have in Europe, for example, like they, they, they go after that. Um, uh, it's, it's a pretty easy record to go after. So I feel like Facebook should be worried about this here. I mean, Google should also. Uh, John, the ad market seems to me to be the underlying issue here. Targeted advertising. Facebook and Google, over and above all others, just have power here. You experienced that over at BuzzFeed. For a while, BuzzFeed was riding high. Like, look how popular our stuff is. And then... And then not so much, at least when it comes to the money rolling in from that, right? Yeah, I mean, we were getting more and more re uh, readers and viewers um, every month. It wasn't like suddenly people stopped coming to BuzzFeed to read the stories. They were, people were continuing to engage with us. We were having record numbers of views. Um, but what happened was is the, the ad revenue collapsed. And, you know, we'd been based kind of on these models that, that Facebook and Google had been kind of promising. But the problem is, is that when you have two companies that control the ad market sort of end to end, um, they are able to strip mine people. And that's what they've done to the entire news industry over the last couple of years. And it's had a really, you know, a devastating effect. And, um, you know, I think that that is a really big concern and for, for me, obviously, personally, but I think for us as a country and a society more, more broadly, and I think that that is a big part of why you're seeing everybody kind of start to come together. Um, and that's what the, the 47 state attorney generals are, is sort of they're the, the canary in the coal mine, so to speak. The, the real big problem for them is going to be the DOJ um, investigation. But the fact that you've got all these different, you know, you've got the Louisiana attorney general and the New York attorney general on the same page, that is, that is hard to do. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that this is a big area of concern for them, yeah. yeah. I wonder if they really are on the same page or if it's just so, for different reasons, it's possible, it's popular to be anti-Facebook right now. When it gets down to brass tacks, I wonder if they are actually in this for the same reasons. We'll see. All right, another digit. Give it to us. 25%. 25%. That's about how many of Facebook's partners in Libra have now dropped out of that coalition, leaving a total of 21 left. This is a lot of payments, folks, remaining, Farhad. And I argued on CNBC, I don't think they necessarily dropped out because they think the basic idea of Libra and the currency is bad, but this has become a referendum on Facebook as a brand and do you trust it? Not so much about the yeah. underlying technology. 
Yeah, I, I think that's true. I mean, if if I feel like if Apple had done this, if Apple had created a currency and asked people to join, like uh, everyone would have joined, even if it was exactly the same thing. It's 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 a reflection of kind of Mark Zuckerberg as a political target. Mark Zuckerberg kind of being out there, uh, the the guy who's fighting with Elizabeth Warren, the um, the fact that like regulators around the world are extremely skeptical of Facebook, and so if you are a payments company and like are fearing regulators and want to be on their good side then like joining up with this company like makes you look bad it, it, I think you're right it's entirely um, a function of the of the brand rather than the specific idea of you know of this currency John what do you think happens if something like Libra goes forward and some countries essentially lose the tool of being able to manipulate their currency in order to rescue their economy. I mean, you know, they can't devalue their currency uh, and, and get a boost. I mean, is that better because people have the ability, individuals have the ability to maintain their capital, their value, and not see it lost in, in Zimbabwe or Venezuela like uh, currency drops? Or are, are we going to see failed states because of this kind of thing? Yeah, look, I, I, I'm not an economist, but, but I would, just based on the idea of giving Facebook, um, even, you know, sort of a Facebook-adjacent thing that Mark Zuckerberg is involved in, that kind of control uh, would scare the hell out of me. And I don't think that, that um, you know, and the bottom line is going to be that, like, some, like, you know, if you're a corporation and you were uh, looking out for your bottom line and Zimbabwe is, is you know, on teetering on becoming a failed state, well, if that doesn't help your bottom line to save Zimbabwe from collapsing economically, you're not going to save them. And uh, that, that seems like a very problematic thing to have happening in the world, frankly. Yeah, well, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a tricky balance, isn't it, between uh, leaving the freedom to innovate, uh, overall freedom of speech, and dealing with companies that have just gotten so big, so powerful, that they've lost a lot of trust. I think we did okay at balancing out <laughs> the issues, <laughs> despite the, uh, the, the Teflon underpants that Mark Zuckerberg has to wear these days because there is a lot of heat on him. <laughs> John Farhad, thank you. That's going to do it for Fort Knox Thanks so much. this week. Thanks to both of you. And thank you. folks, we will see you next time. I'm John Fort from CNBC, and this has been Fort Knox, rich ideas and powerful people. Subscribe wherever fine podcasts are distributed. Check out the reviews on iTunes. Leave me a note. Also, subscribe to the Fort Knox series on LinkedIn. That's brand new and a great way to keep up with the trends I'm seeing both on this Fort Knox show and in my other work on CNBC. That's also the absolute best way to be in touch with me. Leave a comment on the series. Also, subscribe to the Fort Knox channel on YouTube, F-O-R-T-T-K-N-O-X.com slash YouTube. Matter of fact, you can go to YouTube now and see video of these conversations. Or you can go to the CNBC apps on Apple TV or Amazon Fire TV and find Fort Knox in the featured area. Meanwhile, share this. Tell a friend. Drop me a note on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, or FortKnox.com. And as always, thank you for lending an ear.